listening to Around Comics. Uh, you are listening to Around Comics, episode 432, twerking with the rings of power. The power of your cover art this comics. week. Wow. A little chef's kiss on that. A little chef's bit of ah, little, great cover art. The ultimate ring of power is a, a wedding ring consecrated in, in the eyes of God. <laughs> wow. Okay, Tom. I didn't know we were. Wow. Tom's getting uh, between one man and one woman. It's, yeah, well, yeah. It's been a long day. <laughs> one man and a woman. Marriage, yeah. the rings of power. One man and maybe multiple women, depending on what era we're talking about. If this is the first time you've heard one it, man I don't and... believe that. That's not true. It could be a man only, and a man. Only, a only, women un, only women under 25 years old if you're Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, did you guys know that Leonardo DiCaprio likes much younger women? <laughs> Shocking. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> wow. What? Yeah. Best, shocking, line, shocking. Best, best line best from a media after, uh, what we do in the shadows this week I was always faithful to all of my 37 wives mm. Mm. <laughs> almost every time let's almost get into it time. guys let's talk you guys were arguing about Tolkien Tolkien I heard you. We were talking that, was, about that, Tolkien. Was, that was an off mic discussion yeah, but it was hot man there was juice in that squeeze, squeeze that I well, think what we were, we were talking we were talking about obviously the Rings of Powers came out today. It's out now. All right, settle down, Tom. Relax, relax. <laughs> now you're gonna fucking watch it. I'm like, <laughs> chill out. We yes. know you're excited. We know you're excited. I'm pumped. Um, you know, you know, I love. <laughs> I, I know the similarity you know, is like, looking. yeah, you know. Bible. I, I sent you that text where someone's like, hey, it reminds me exactly of the similarity. And I was like, oh, that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I think no. I read. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> Four pages of that, maybe, I think, before I turn, I put it away. It's like yeah. one of those times where you see, like, a five-star review that you're like, ooh, I don't, I don't, that's like a... You know, not all five star reviews are built the same. Sometimes it's like when you you gotta find like a reviewer who like agrees with you, you know, or like a reviewer who you do not agree with. So that like that's just, when you that's just putting like, yourself in an, that's just putting yourself in an echo chamber, buddy. That's just you know you gotta look at the contrarian <laughs> views. To calibrate yourself to like what this like. Oh, if this okay, if this is the type of review, it's like I might need to be cautious going into. I might not. I might want to carve out the whole two hours. I might want to like give myself like an exit strategy. I I just thought that review was funny because I was review, like, oh, no. yeah, was. Um, I wish Sal could put it up on screen. It was. Uh, That's a no for me, dog. It was hilarious. I could put it up on. It reminded screen. me. Yeah, I probably could. Let's see. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Here. Yeah, our reactions. To that. <laughs> That was the one where I was like, oh, my God. That Oh, my camera switched. Different angle. Yeah, what's going on? What's, what's going on with you? We got, a, we got a new yeah. angle for Tom. <laughs> I kicked my USB cord, and yeah. here we go. Luke and, Luke and David's. Oh, no. I don't know who, like, who okay. he is. But Best two hours ago. Just breathtaking. This is what I have been dreaming about when I first read this summer. I was, oh, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is... 
This actually fits like the perfect format. Oh, I just kicked my fucking cord again. Uh, this <laughs> have you been the- drinking again, Tom? <laughs> No, are we gonna actually. get excited, Tom, ex- again this week? No, I'm just like exhausted. Um, this fits the perfect format for writing a headline in that you put the part that's funny as the very last word. So, like, you Simul- read the whole review, Sim- Simulrillion, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay. Well, anyway, yeah. go continue. You guys, this is what been I've been dreaming of since I read one of the most impenetrable books ever. Published. Yeah. I want to talk to this dude because I'm like, first of all, you finished it. <laughs> like, this is what I've been dreaming of, but continue. Yeah. I, I, it I have pretty. so many thoughts. I think there's a meta commentary about all the things we've been talking about. About, like, I don't know, uh, I read a few reviews of it which I won't go into because I think, you know, people should watch it themselves before they get too like involved into what people think of it. Um, But I do think it's interesting, like in light of talking about like all-star Superman and you talk about like someone writing something that sort of like captures the essence of a character or a story and sort of like recontextualizes it. And then you sort of look at something like Lord of the Rings where it's so different to me than like um, than superhero comics in a way, because I'm sort of like, I always think about like Lord of the Rings and like where, you know, like Morrison and, uh, and Quitely kind of find like, uh, as I keep using the term juice, because that's just where I'm at, because I just had some uh, lime juice like a couple of minutes ago, some limeade. Um, like they found like the thing in that story that's compelling mm-hmm. and talked about it. And then I was sort of on uh, my long train ride home today. I had the longest possible transit ride from work to home. I was like, what is the actual thing in Lord of the Rings that's like got the juice to it that you're like, oh, that if you were like looking for the thing to like build a Lord of the like a story based on Lord of the Rings. What's the thing that no, like, I think you I, build it around? I mean, I think it's I very think much like, in my head. To me, it's very much like a like superhero comics where it is yeah. uh, the the meek, you know, saving the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone it's, that it's is like, overlooked. It's someone light versus dark, right? Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, on a very high level, it's yeah, good versus evil. Of yeah, course, yeah. that's pretty much any story. But I think. Yeah. To me, you know, it's it's the tale of these this race and specifically oh. one particular hobbit who is overlooked yeah, yeah, yeah. and not thought of as heroic. And I think that to me was the thing that made Lord of the Rings the... eventually a very popular book was the idea that it was about the mm-hmm. the sort of overlooked character in this world who who had to overcome more than I mean it's it's a little easier to be a hero if you're if you're Hercules than mm. if you're a hobbit. And I think mm-hmm. to me that's yeah. what that the the attraction to that book was. It, you know, or on a high with, level. I think there's a lot of things in that. that yeah, but even within that structure too, it's like the idea of like Samwise and Frodo and like the idea of like what is makes like the hero, what makes like the the like character that you least expect 
GPT, yeah. like the most courageous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's where I then think, like the I thing most that's the, in there. It's surprise. I think most of the time yeah. a story's essence is, you know, as readers or as viewers, mm -hmm. as people that enjoy stories, I think most of the time we'd like to be surprised. We, you know, and, the, and, a, and a good story, you know, essentially, you know, like I said, once again, at a high level is, the, is setting someone else with expectations and then, and then subverting those expectations in a pleasant way or sometimes in an unpleasant way. I mean, that's ultimately like a, the formula of creating a story on a, on a very basic level of like setting up expectations and then subverting them to a reader's satisfaction. That's, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's kind of just storytelling 101. And I, so I think that's Lord of the Rings. You know, if you look at before Lord of the Rings, heroic stories, I mean, there wasn't a, I don't know that there was a lot of fantasy stuff outside of like mythology. But if you look at mythology, the like, heroes in mythology were very heroic, prototypical. And, and the hobbits are certainly not. Yeah, it's Beowulf. Um, they're the anti before that, right? Well, there was, I mean, there was more than Beowulf. Yeah, I mean, the as far as like fantasy. Actively avoid adventure. In like, right, they're, they're, yeah, they eat a lot of breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they like to be Many comfortable food. and lazy and, and they're, you know, they like to nap and, and smoke, you know, pipes and, and eat all the time and they're not adventurous. And I am a one hopper in second breakfast. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 this idea of like, you know, in some ways, I think most people probably can relate to a Hobbit much more than they can, you know, uh, Gandalf. Gandalf even. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's like, um, but yeah, but yeah, even within so it too, you know, like they find he finds ways of like, it isn't just Frodo who surprises you. As far Absolutely. as like the yeah, like they all do, like they all all the Hobbit, uh, you know, that go on the journey in their own moments show like their own resilience and their own, you know, surprisingness to like how willing they are to like put themselves in danger to like mm -hmm. complete this task, you know. So it's like yeah. it's almost like he subverts that and then like subverts it again and finds a different way within the story to have different characters subvert it in different ways. You know, like the way Samwise does it is much different than the way Frodo does it, which is different from how like Pippin does it, which is like, they all kind of have their or, own moments or, of, or like, even like doing that Thor and Oakenshield or yeah. Gandalf. Or, you know, all of those characters, mm. they, they end up surprising us in one way. Or the other. Gandalf is portrayed, you know, it's, he's this sort of, doddering you know to some degree old fool and you're not really sure is he really a wizard is he crazy is he mm -hmm. senile and then you know then there's the the scene you know uh, with the um in the mines and and yeah, yeah i mean it's rock. like he becomes this yeah, yeah the ball rock and he becomes this very heroic character that saves the hobbits and and transforms into another you know another person essentially but yeah, I think I think a lot of it is just is just setting up certain expectations and then surprising us pleasantly. Like that's you know, that's kind of 
at least in fantasy, that's, you know, I think a pretty, you know, common theme. Um, but before Tolkien, I don't know that a lot of stories were told that way. It's like, you know, you had uh, at least fantasy stuff. You know, you had some, but mythology was much more about like classically portrayed heroes mm -hmm. and, you know, that kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How do you, especially when you're a kid and you read that, um, you're, you're looking at like, hobbits are essentially kids. Nobody really respects them. Everybody overlooks them. They're little. Nobody really you know, pays mm -hmm. them much attention. I mean, that's, a, that's kids. That's how kids feel all the time. And that yeah. was, Joe Galuzic is on, on YouTube and he, he has a, a point. He said, the Hobbit started off as bedtime stories for Tolkien, uh, that Tolkien told his kids and it got more serious as his kids got older. But it's like, if you're a child, like you want to, you know, you want a story about a child, you know, about essentially children. Well, Hobbits are that, that thing. I mean, they're, they're very much how a child, I would imagine, feels in a day-to-day -day kind of a thing. People just overlook you. And that's what Hobbits isn't that were. What, you know, Stan, Stan Lee and, and, and Kirby and Ditko and, you know, the original Marvel, you know, bullpen kind of tapped into that. I mean, that was the draw of Spider-Man, right? You know, that's the Absolutely. draw of Billy Batson um, is, you know, Rob, that's the, the kid who becomes a hero, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think absolutely. Feel. You, you know, Peter Parker's appeal. I was going to say also in context of of Tolkien's experience in World War One. Yeah, and like the idea of something terrible happening that you can't really do anything about, and you just have to like kind of experience it, and you can have your own like victory but something terrible is happening <laughs> and like you can't avoid it and you can't like subvert it and you can't like, you know, it's like, yes, the good guys win, but like, it's not a like cost. a total big, yeah. Like a, great a lot cost. of really bad stuff happens and like, there's no way to avoid it, you know? Yeah. yeah and I, mean, I think and you, you see the fingerprints of early 20th century all over Tolkien's work. It's, you know, it's, there was the war to end all wars and that's, um, you know, you see that reflected in, in the work is these, you know, these, these hobbits go out into a much larger world to play their, their parts and, and in different, you know, different uh, ways and different militaries. And yeah, it's, I'm just yeah, fully reclining. I mean, even just the idea of like machines versus nature. I mean, that's a huge part of, oh, of sure. the Lord of the Rings. And, and, you know, that was World War II. You had, for the first time, you had sort of this mechanized death taking lives and destroying countrysides and, you know, just devastating nature and humanity. Um, and, you know, you see that in, in the Lord of the Rings for sure. And I think it's beautifully, I mean, it's, it's beautifully done in the movies. I think Peter Jackson certainly understood that. And you, you, the, the, the tearing down of trees to create, you know, uh, the war machine or, yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's just this perfect little allegory of, um, you know, man versus nature kind of thing or machine versus nature, I guess. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm, though, you know. What's that? Those books long are long AF. Those are long books. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They are long. They're they're certainly. I, I have read not them read. Them I had book. a lot. I read them when I had a lot more free time in my life. Yeah, yeah. I read them years and years ago, and I've read them multiple times, and I've not gone back, and I, I probably will die before I ever go read them again. Um, it, is it is it a case where the source material? Um, I don't want to say that it's been it's been overtaken by the adaptations and and that kind of stuff, but. You know, I those books are a slog. I mean, they're it, it's they they're move at a rhythm that we don't move at anymore, right? With yeah. a lot of things, but uh, you know, like there is a certain charm to that. You know, there's like mm-hmm. I don't know. I I whenever my friends and I, whenever the topic of Lord of the Rings comes up, I always bring up Tom Bombadil. As like this weird ass like character that's in the books that like of course you can't put in a movie like what you can barely understand what this character is like in a book like who is this like a guy who wanders around and he sings songs and we have like three chapters where they're just hanging out with this guy and then he goes away and it's like has almost no actual bearing like on the plot it's just like this weird part of the story that happens and then it's like ah and then that ended and then we went back out it's like yes we will cut that out of the movie because like <laughs> we can't have i don't know a 45 minute section about this weird giant who just like sings songs to them you know the you know and it's like uh even outrage in those books when you get to the end there's like a whole other section after the end where they go back and it's like, oh, you know, like our town's been ruined by industrialization and like all these, you know, like it just doesn't move at the rhythm that like we're used to how stories move, you know. Kind of like reading like, Silver is... Age comics, right? Well, I mean like slower, right? Like there's yeah. almost like not a discernible, like it's like this is the setup and this is the, this is like the moment of uh, of like action and then this is the denouement you know it's almost like it kind of like goes up and down and like you kind of don't exactly know like what's gonna happen and it's like the rhythm is hard to pick up you know like it doesn't quite move the way we see stories move now yeah it's a totally different story structure well it was the 1950s there weren't you know yeah, there weren't nearly as many channels. Thirties, right? Didn't he write it in the? 30s? Well, the Hobbit was in the thirties, but but the yeah. Lord of the Rings was in the fifties. Okay, yeah. I they just didn't have the any... Led Zeppelin era. There was, was no, um, there wasn't any Star Trek: The Next Generation to watch on rerun to understand like a tight story structure. You know, like the beats <laughs> you got to hit before that second commercial break. You know. Wasn't he also like a linguist or something? That that was. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So he was yeah, really into I... sort of like the etymology of language, and he created yeah. languages. You know, and like some of it was sort of like, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that I like the Hobbit is a much. The Hobbit is essentially a children's book, and mm-hmm. then by the time he got to the Lord of the Rings, it was like, okay, I'm writing. Some it's almost like his ego just sort of got to him and was like, Well, 
Now I'm going to show the world. <laughs> you know, you have this, this successful book, The Hobbit, and then, you know, and but then it's like, well, now I'm going to really unleash. Yeah. yeah. Now we're going to get epic. We're going to get epic yeah. with this. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it is epic. Yeah, I think that's a draw. That's a draw for a lot of people. Is is the majesty of this world? It's grand and grandeur, and to see these these mythic cities rise, you know, out of the the mountains, and it, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fantastic romanticism, and you know, that's a that's a draw. I certainly love to to look at that and. You know, think about these majestic, you know, places that 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 sprung out of his imagination. You know, it's yeah, it's cool. By the end of uh, so yeah, The Hobbit was published in 1937. Lord of the Rings in 1950s. It was somewhat popular in Britain, but it didn't become popular in the United States until the 60s. By the end of 1968, The Lord of the Rings has sold over three million copies in America. Um. Causing uh, the unexpected success caused American publishers to swiftly reissue a large number of older, often obscure fantasy novels, catapulting them to belated successes. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, yeah, sort of sparked the whole sword and sorcery fantasy, oh. epic fantasy, and it kind of day, dovetailed in with hippie culture too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Counterculture was, you yeah. know, and once again, I think. Like you said, you know, going to your point about Spider-Man and Stan Lee and the whole, I mean, you know, Marvel Comics in the 60s, it was the counterculture. Like they were looking for something that wasn't yeah. the stories of their parents, that wasn't about traditional heroes, possibly. Um, and, you know, and we're, we're kind of back to that maybe today. I mean, I think we went, you know, in, in the 80s and 90s, most, at least films, that were action film. You went through this, you know, huge sort of like decade, couple of decades of action films and action stars that were, you know, bodybuilders and martial artists and, you know, incredibly buff looking dudes Schwarzenegger. and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Schwarzenegger, Jean-Claude Van Damme and, you know, guys like that. Um, Steven Seagal. This, yeah. Well, he was never buff, Steven. but, <laughs> but he was tough. Under see uh, Tom Cruise, Top Gun, you know, yeah. um, it always comes back to Top Gun. Always come back to Tom Cruise, baby. <laughs> the immortal Tom Cruise, baby. True. But stuff. yeah, I, I'm going to watch it for sure. I mean, I, I loved I loved the books as a kid. Mm. I read them multiple times. I, I loved the films, Peter Jackson films. Mm. I remember loving the animated, the, the rotoscope yeah. animated films back. Oh, the the Ralph Bakshi. Ba ba yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but um, able to do the whole thing would have been cool. Did but, you like the so, Hobbit yeah. films? Oh, the, uh, talk about talk about making three films out of a film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It was would, it was a bit much. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'm still waiting for a uh, Dragonlance film. That's George Lucas never made it. I, I wrote him, told him to make oh, the Dragonlance okay. trilogy in, into films, and he didn't listen to me. He didn't. He didn't listen he to you. He should have. Should have got the rights then, yes. George, but you but, didn't. Hey, 
we're we're getting. I guess he doesn't our... like making money. Guess he's just not in the business of making money. We're uh, not. We're Bakshi. Thank you. Um, um, now, uh, tell me how to pronounce your name. Yeah, right. Sian. Sian Font Tomas. Font Font Tomas. That's a great name. Yeah, throw that up on screen. Um, Simon, there you Sian, go. Sian Font Tomas. There you go. Um, where was I going with that? I don't know. I'm lost now. Go ahead. Uh, Nick Lindsay says, you know, you guys do this the same time that Drink and Draw with Dave Johnson, Dan Panosian, and Joe Casada. You guys should do a crossover <laughs> show with them. Yeah, I don't think I they're you. that interested I don't in, think in carrying us on their show. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they care. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think that they're. But thank you, Nick, for uh, for the thought. You should tell yeah. them that that they should cross over. There you those, go. Those guys. Yeah. So excited brings the power. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week after we all digest the first two episodes. I get the new episodes on Thursday. So, so I don't know how many episodes they have slated, but uh, I know the Amazon spending nine hundred. Not, well, it's a hundred million dollars a season that uh, Amazon is spending on the production. That's it. Yeah, right. Well, isn't it hundred million like an episode, right? Or, no, I or think it's a hundred million a season. That's still a lot of. That seems cheap. Dough. That seems kind of cheap. A hundred million a season. I don't know. You're gonna have a lot of dialogue. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Um, did you guys ever see the? Uh... I can't remember what it was called, but I remember back in the 80s, um, a guy I knew had a, it was like a um, a spoof of The Hobbit. I don't know if it was The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, but it was like an erotic novel. <laughs> and I can't remember what it was called. I wish I could remember. It was written in like the 70s or something, maybe the early, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, I can't. God, I wish I could remember what it was called. It was pretty funny. I mean, it was a it was a joke, but it was a full like paperback novel, and it was sort of like an erotic. Lord of the cock rings. No, <laughs> something. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of places we can go there. I'm sure there's plenty of them now, but th this oh, yeah. was a. I just can't remember what it was called. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll try and find it, but. I was. I just didn't know if you guys maybe had um, had ever heard of it before. I just. I, I remember seeing it years right. ago. I looked this up according to the Wall you Street Journal. Your cable again, Tom. And according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, this season of Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power has cost the streamer seven hundred and fifteen million dollars. That sounds more right. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's not change for Bezos, though, right? And and I just looked this up. There is a lot of Hobbit parody porn on the internet. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> there is a lot, like, surprising amount of the Nobbit. You're, surpri you're surprised? A little. Yeah. The, here, I'm just going to read you a few. Uh, the Throbbit. I mean, there's got to be, like, a lot of, like, dwarf, elf, like... <laughs> The, the the desolation of cock. Um, let's see. What it's not even that great of a name. No, no. no. Dick Man, the, the erotic adventures of Dick Man and Throbin. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, Lord of the Rings porn. Uh, I mean, Fellowship of the Cock Ring. Whore of the Rings. Uh, Lord of the G-Strings. These names uh, are terrible. Come on. Not well, good. You know, what do you want? Not good. Um, oh, wow. This is a... Uh, Okay, there's some interesting fan art involved. I, I see. I see. I'm I'm in the I'm in the backstage, and I see what you're scrolling through, and we're not showing any of that. <laughs> I see. It. Oh no, it's reflected in Chris's glasses. <laughs> Board of the Rings is that? Maybe that might be it. Board of the Rings. Board of the Rings. That that could be it. Um, yeah. It's like that. It's like that Nicholas. Cage movie where he's like investigating like a snuff film and there's just like all these scenes where he's like like he's just like Nick Nicholas caging all over it's like Chris with the reflection of like the Hobbit porn in his glasses just like board no. of the board of the rings was it this was it was a, a Harvard Lampoon novel written by uh, Doug Kenny and Henry Beard. So uh, yeah, very, it was. It was. I just remember. I don't know if I ever actually read the whole thing, but um, I think I, I read parts of it, and it was. It was kind of funny. Yeah, I might have to pick up a copy of that. That would be an interesting. I'd probably read that quicker than I'm ever going to read Lord of the Rings again. Yeah. Trudge your way through it All right. once more. The brilliant Doug Kenny, the genius. I don't know Doug Kenny. He was basically behind all of National Lampoon and. Oh, okay. He was the heart and soul of National Lampoon, but also kind of fucked up and troubled. And there's a great documentary on um, Amazon or Netflix, um, Fat, Drunk, and Stupid, I think it's called. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's about a lot of it has to do with Doug Kenny. And okay. He, yeah. I think I watched that years ago. Uh, let's, let's switch uh, to comics because I want to come back to some TV stuff in, in a little bit. Uh, did you guys check out uh, Amazing Fantasy 1000 and uh, oh, shit. Saved by the Belle Reeve? Uh, I read one of them. Okay. Amazing Fantasy 1000. They're, they're, both, they're both anthologies, so I read a few stories out of, out of both of them. I stopped reading Amazing Fantasy around 900. <laughs> there we go. You <laughs> dropped it. How do you drop the ball? Yeah, I, dropped, I dropped it. I know. I didn't know they got back. Uh, it was. I don't know what numbering they're picking up. If this is like not, there's no numbering. They just fucking just decided. I guarantee it's not based on anything other than they're like, ah, whatever. We'll start. Sure. See, yeah. hey, can I hire this Sion uh, font? Tomas is our our intern or something because. He or she just seems to have all of the information I need that I can't ever come up with in my brain. So yeah. I need to hire this person as uh, as my you know, right? Executive See, producer. You're the fifth beetle. You're as in. your brain as your brain. As, yes, I need someone to take over for my brain that doesn't brain work to remember things. <laughs> a futile, a, a futile and stupid gesture was the uh, was the actual name of the documentary. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. That's a better name for a documentary, in my opinion. That's, but yeah, also, you know, great line. So there you go. All right. What? So uh, Amazing Fantasy One Thousand. Uh, I'm shocked. I'm amazed it got we got to a thousand. Like I couldn't believe. 
Yeah. We actually got to a thousand. That's pretty impressive. Um, didn't get you know, canceled. For, for, <laughs> yeah, that it didn't get canceled. Spider Man's, you know. I, so let's. I think we should, you know, toast or maybe a round of applause for Amazing Fantasy making it to a thousand. Good job, good job, Amazing Fantasy. You did, you did, you did it. You did wow, it. Let's Woo! see what one thousand and one is like. Yeah, there were some good let's stories see. in it though. Uh, the first one I thought was excellent, which was um, oh, I'm going to pull it up here because the I first Amazing any. Fantasy. No, the yeah, the first Amazing Fantasy was excellent. No, the first story in Amazing Fantasy one thousand oh. I thought was excellent. It, it actually kind of made me almost tear up a bit. Um, oh, you got emotional. I got a little emotional with it. Yeah, there yeah, were you know a little, anytime, uncle, a little Uncle Ben story, right? A little Uncle Ben in it, and anytime you know Peter Parker, which amazingly enough, like I was thinking about it as I was reading this, um, and I'll and I'll I'll go to the last story. The last story is by Neil Gaiman, and it's uh, it's okay. I, I it's I don't really. It's not like Neil Gaiman's best work. Um, but it's an okay story. But as I was reading it and he was sort of talking about, it, it's a, it's sort of autobiographical about his um, interaction with Spider-Man, his first meeting of Spider-Man kind of thing. Um, and he starts talking about like all the events in Spider-Man's life that he's gone through. And I was like, yeah, all of those things happened 60 years ago. Like, when was the last time someone wrote a fucking Spider-Man story that was important to the mythos of Spider-Man? Ooh, that's a great question. And, you know, like, why is it that we love Spider-Man? More and more mm -hmm. people, you know, the last 10 years, Spider-Man has probably become more popular than he's ever been mm -hmm. in any time of history. But it's all based on that original couple like of years 30 yeah five <laughs> yeah. issues right it's it's all here right yeah i mean that's what i yeah. mean it's like when was the last yeah. time anyone even wrote a story worth the shit and it's like you have this anthology that talks about peter parker and why and, and sort of gives you examples of why spider-man and peter parker is this great character and yet Rarely does anyone write Spider-Man like that. And it, it made me think about like, you know, All-Star Superman. It's like, why is it such a, um, you know, a sort of like rare thing for writers of comics to actually write the characters like they, what made them popular? <laughs> Instead of, trying to make the characters into something else. You know, I, I feel like it, it, it almost goes back to like Frank Miller and, and Alan Moore again of like, mm -hmm. every writer is trying to make these characters something, you know, like tell the, a new story, turn them into something else that they weren't. You know, Batman, A Dark Knight changed Batman forever. Um, oh, this is but every writer since then has yeah. kind of been trying to do that, and no one I mean, really ben, has. Ben, ben talks about that with Daredevil. That every everyone that has written Daredevil after Frank Miller has been writing a love letter to Frank Miller. 
Yeah. And right? I think the same is true. I think the same is true with, you know, Batman and, and a lot of other characters, but I just, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. I was starting to think about it. Like there's some really cool stories in here and they're simple mm-hmm. sort of tales about what makes Peter Parker and Spider-Man an interesting character. And, and it always gets me when it goes back to the simplicity of with great power comes great responsibility. The, the simplicity of Aunt May and, and Ben and MJ and yeah. that Peter gets knocked down and gets back up. And it's not really complicated. It just always, the things that are like important about that character, it always goes back to that, the very beginning. And why is it nobody seems to write Spider-Man like that in yeah, the comics? I- I think Stan Lee had talked about this years ago where he said that, you know, what made Spider-Man work so well is that the stories were about him having to make a choice of, I have to go uptown to, to beat Doc Ock and save the city, or I have to go, you know, downtown and get Aunt May's medicine or, or she'll die, you know? Right. And that was, it, w- it was throwing Peter into those, you know, those decisions that he had to make and him being able to, to do both, right? Him being able to save, <laughs> save the day for everyone. And at the end of the day, no one likes him. Yeah, that's, that's always been part of Peter. I don't know. I think I just feel like it, it seems like writers, you know, they, they look at, these characters sometimes and they go oh well that's out of date or that's old-fashioned or that you know i don't want to i don't want to tell those stories anymore but it's like well that's what made those characters great and what you're doing is going to be is going to be forgotten next month yeah yeah i think it's a little bit like i also don't know that marvel's made space to tell those type of stories the same way all like you know, like it or not, like there was All Star Batman and Robin. There's All Star Superman. Like they've kind of carved out spaces for people to take these, and I'm sure there's Spider Man stories that fall within that. But I guess I'm just having a hard time like remembering when any of those that were a, a big deal, other than like a calendar filler. Like I mean, the last here's I would a- say the last story that I remember a Spider-Man story that that like fundamentally was like a tentpole moment um would have been him getting married oh and and before <laughs> you know before that it would have been like the black costume you know what i mean like those I, re- are I remember a, a web of Spider-Man story called Tears for Rhino that kind of changed the way that i looked at his rogues gallery you know that story's like 30 fucking years old right well yeah but i'm just saying like when you you know if if you were going to encapsulate um you know spider-man in his history like everything you would probably bring up is 50 60 years ago you know what i mean like (laughs) what are you bringing up in the last 30 years that is part of Spider-Man's mythos or, you know, or very many characters in comics. Like they're still just sort of hanging on. I mean, look at all the Marvel movies. 
all those movies are just based on their origins for the most part. Um, and, and, and sort of live and die off of that. And how much of it really does anything to progress those characters in any way or change those characters or out give of, you this of, sort of like... Out of curiosity, now I'm thinking of other characters. Like, what, what stories do you think have, like, added to the mythos of, of other characters, like, in the last, like, 30 years? Uh, Planet Hulk. That's a probably that's a pretty good one, but that was twenty years ago. Nah, fifteen. Please tell me it's fifteen. <laughs> the nineties were like ten years ago, right? Um, yeah, uh, I think Brubaker's run on Captain America was kind of was, was kind of redefining. Um. Uh, I think Hickman is trying to do it, do that with the X Men, but that's you know kind of you know walking through molasses. We'll, we'll go back to Morrison's new X Men, I guess. Um, uh, after that, I mean, it's also just like even when even when like you know, say like Batman, you, you know, mm -hmm. how, you know, it goes through Robins like it's you know crackers, but. <laughs> it's not really like it's still the Dick Grayson kind of you know being Robin and then yeah there were Robins after that <laughs> you know it's like it still always goes back um, yeah 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 or like I mean when a character dies to some degree but then they always come back <clears throat> you know eventually and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I just for whatever reason, it got me thinking about when I was reading this anthology, which I enjoyed. I, I really did enjoy the Spider-Man, the Amazing Fantasy yeah. One Thousand. I thought it was good. I, I, um, there were some really nice, you know, cool little stories in it. But it was like they're all just love letters. You know what I mean? They're all just mm -hmm. love letters, which an anthology okay. is going to be. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I'm thinking now. I'm trying to think of like what. Uh, maybe not even like stories that all like are impactful on the canon of Spider-Man, but like even stories that if I were to be like, what are the best Spider-Man stories of all time? Like when's the last one that you would add to that list? Oh man. Yeah. I don't know. That's a really that's, good question. Let's say that like, you know, Dan Slott had a really nice run. On Spider-Man, and he told some. Really yeah, no, I'm not talking about like like what what something yeah. is good, or, but I'm just talking yeah. like you have these iconic moments in, in these characters, impactful, like like yeah, right. You know, it, Tent pole. I, I, I always go back to a conversation that we had with Matt Fraction way back in the day, where he said the 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 job of a, of a creative team, whenever you're dealing with with an IP like this. Is to is to tear them down and destroy them, and then as artfully as possible put them back together to hand off to the next team, and that's what we see all the time. It's you you tear a character down and then artfully put them back together to pass off, right? But I think yeah, that that's, I think that's the problem is that because they become IPs and because they 
they're owned by corporations that that don't want to fundamentally change anything. Sure. You don't get any change. You don't get any of these moments any longer. You don't get anything really eventful. As many events as comics go through. Why do we love DC Yeah. Why do we love Black Label, right? But mm-hmm. but even think about stuff like, I don't know, like you could argue Bendis's Daredevil. Oh, someone in the comments did mention Bendis's yeah, Daredevil. Joe. It, like, leave, I mean, he leaves it where it was, but I still mm-hmm. feel like it's impactful to. I mean, I don't know. We're talking about a very, and amorph- that, that a was very no, amorphous it, thing. We're talking about a very amorphous thing. He didn't leave it where it was. That was that was what was actually kind of neat and cool is that didn't he leave Daredevil in jail? Well, with Bruce, yeah, but that was taking it over. That was and that was, that because, was kind of a handshake yeah. that he did with Brubaker. It's like, okay, I'm going to leave him in this kind of screwed up space, and but you know, you have you have the the keys to get out of this locked room, right? And and let me remind you, that was when the uh, most powerful Marvel Universe character was introduced. Co Salazar. Co Salazar. Yeah, the the real power <laughs> in the Marvel Universe. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, like, you can argue, like, whether, I mean, I guess to me, I'm like thinking about like impact being not necessarily just like a plot driven thing, but a thing that's a memorable, like, emotional arc of like, yes, that's my point. Yeah, of like some, you know, and I, there have been Spider Man stories I enjoy. It's not like every Spider Man story in the last 50 years is garbage. But no, like I can't. No, it's hard to think of one that left. Like, there's things that I'm like I remember liking that, but I couldn't tell you a fucking thing about what. It's actually not like it's there. not it's not the same as like Gwen Stacy dying or no. Norman Osborn yeah. uh, becoming the you know the Green Goblin or you know what I mean. Like, it's, wait, it's the, just wait, not- the, the Iron Spider suit didn't really affect you. At a fundamental level, I mean, it may have, but not in a good way, not in a not in a positive way. I mean, it's yeah, it's interesting. I haven't thought about Spider Man that way. I was like, what you know, because it is like you think about some of these other characters. You know, Daredevil's had you know Bendis, and Captain America had Brubaker, and you know, those are stories that had you know, whether they affect like long-term things, they had some impact like on the, you know, emotional arc of the character. It's like, huh, Spider-Man, I'm trying to think of like what would actually count as that. Uh, Venom, Venom, uh, Nick Lindsay brings up in the comments, what about Venom being Eddie, then being Flash, then going back to Eddie? I think just Venom as a character you know, was probably one of the last, like, yeah, yeah, seismic sort of shifts in in Spider Man's history. I mean, I'll be honest; I haven't read Spider Man in probably you know on a regular basis in probably ten years, so I have no idea what's even, you know, I don't even know where Peter Parker is in his Miles. life at this point. Whether is it not even Peter Parker though? Is it Ultimate? Is it Miles Morales? Miles or, Morales yeah. now is Spider Man, right? Or is that I like is that probably is that probably the most impactful Spider-Man story? The Spider-Man PS4 game was it impactful? 
Uh, it was great. It was a great video game. Or I'm <laughs> just thinking about, talking like, about Chris. <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man maybe is the last, like, yeah, kind it was of. good. But it was, but the thing is, that's but still the, a love but, letter. It, it's still a yeah. love letter to the original. It's basically right. recreating the original story and just updating yeah. it to the early 2000s. I'll right? go with Miles. I'll go with Miles Morales then. Okay, that's fair. It's that's like, a seismic shift. It's a new character as Spider Man. Something. It's like ten. Well, how long ago was that though? That's a long that's time I mean, ago. We're working on that's I mean, a while ago. That, Fifteen years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's not recent, but it's at least somewhere in the since I've been born. Now it's <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just weird. It's I don't know. Like I said, it, for whatever reason, it just got me thinking about it. Reading the Amazing Fantasy One Thousand of like, you know, when when was the last time someone wrote something that like fundamentally shifted the way we think about Spider Man or? Or a yeah. lot of these characters, you know, like Joe, Joe just brought up a good one. Uh, I think Lemire's Moon Knight. Um, certainly, the the a lot of the inspiration for the for the TV show kind of redefine that character. Get Moon Knight, get Moon Knight out of this conversation. Ah! Like... <laughs> He's a rip off character anyway. You yeah, know. it's like whatever. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, we we got about ten minutes left here. Uh, let's talk about uh, everyone's uh, favorite twerking uh, green giant lawyer. Uh, she. Well, I do want to. Mm-hmm. But before before we move on to that, real quickly, I just want to uh, thank. Uh, I've been trying to put out every week um, just a poll on Twitter um, mm-hmm. about like what we should talk about on the show. Ah, we didn't. And, uh, we didn't obey it. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so uh, the four choices this week were uh, Warner Brothers uh, Snyder Cut Sorrows, them feeling bad about releasing the Snyder Cut of Justice League. <laughs> uh, it got zero votes. Nobody wanted zero to votes. talk about All that. Right. Nobody wants to talk about that. Uh, Megan the Stallion uh, joining the MCU in, in She-Hulk. It got a couple of votes, 6.7%. Uh, Ryan... Uh, um, I'm sorry. What's the Ryan, uh, the director of The Last Jedi? Ryan yeah, that guy. Um, Ryan, shit. Johnson. What's his last name? Johnson. Johnson thank you, brother. Right. Yeah. Ryan Johnson um, coming out in Empire Magazine and and sort of doubling down on his uh, feelings for The Last Jedi. Um, and then the big winner was Yo, just talk comics. <laughs> <With 60% laughs> People just want yeah. us to talk comics, though. There you go. We did. Okay. We talked some comics. We definitely we talked did. some comics. We did. Uh, uh, I did but thanks, enjoy, everybody. I, I did enjoy some of the uh, uh, DC Saved by the Bell Reeve. I thought it was... Uh, I want to read more Gotham Academy. I was One of these days... With that? I, one of these days, I need to talk about Cosmic Detective, the Kickstarter yeah. book from Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent... And David Rubin, um, which I've been enjoying, and it's a beautiful book that I ordered—I don't know—a long time ago, but um, it finally came out. I, I got it last week, and I'm about halfway through it. It's—it's it's really excellent. Um, if you like those guys, and I love yeah. David David Rubin's work, um, I obviously Lemire and Matt Kent as well. But um, right. Yeah, it's a pretty cool book. So someday I'll talk about that in depth, maybe a little more. Nice. 
Uh, maybe next week. Uh, I'm reading uh, Tom King's uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, and uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Bill Quiss Everly and Matthias Lopez. Uh, Lopes. I think it, it's Lopes. Um, this is fun. Nah, this is I weird. Not, I bet it's not Lopes. It, it's L-O-P-E. Whatever. It's, it's Lopes. fun. Lopes, whatever. This is I'm enjoying the shit out of this. This is this is a fun Tom King book. Fun. So, yeah, is that your top of the stack? Is that your top of the stack this week, Chris? That is my top of the stack. Is uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. What happened oh, to top. fun comics, guys? Stack. Yeah, I, um, yeah. Can I can I give another shout out to a comic? Yeah, shout um, out. Do it. It came came out this week as an image comic. Uh, written by Jerry Dugan, um, with art by Duggan. Scott Duggan. Duggan, Jerry Duggan, with art by Scott Steve Lopes. You know Cristiano. Sure. Uh, colors by Tamara Bonvillain. Letters by Joe Sabino. Uh, it's called The Dark Room. Um, it's it's about uh, well, it's about a couple of things, but one, it's about a camera. That like when you take a picture of something, it shows you sort of the evil in the world. Um, but then it's about this woman who uh, like they is searching for the camera. Yeah. She's she's kind of like a private detective. She's searching for the camera, but she has a um, a ghost skeleton that wears tracksuits as a partner and a werewolf. And there's like Cthulhu monsters yeah. and werewolves and ghosts. And fairies and sold, sold. Yeah, it, there's so much <laughs> cool, f- and the art is beautiful. Um, I really, really like. I, I just kind of stumbled on this book, and I really, really liked it. It, it's, uh, it's just got all sorts of wacky shit in it, um, and it's also kind of like a, a mystery as well. But uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. It was really, really good, and and beautiful. If I didn't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's skeleton and tracksuit skeleton in a tracksuit yeah love it sold love the concept sold, sold. <laughs> that's what comics should be God damn a, a tracksuit a gold chain and a um what were those dj dudes with the big helmets with like the lcd screens on their oh, faces daft, daft punk. punk yeah like a daft punk helmet nice. when he goes in public because he can't show his his skull face in public you know um <laughs> That's what comic. Yeah, it's be. got vampires, okay. werewolves, uh, yeah, Cthulhu monster. What's the name of it? Suit wearing skeletons. It's called the Dark Room, and, okay. uh, and it just Jerry came out Duggan. this week. It was Jerry Duggan. Nice. Uh, it, it's re- is it really good. It was really fun. We should try and get Jerry back on the. We talked to him years ago, and such a good guy. We did. Yeah, um, you should work on that. I maybe I will. We'll don't we have some contact image? Don't we have imaged comics? Yeah, contacts. Damn it. Yeah. Well, no That's one talked to us. Please. No one will. No one will <laughs> talk to us anymore. No Greg Porter says that uh, Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow might be his favorite Tom King book. Wow. Here's Thanks, the dark Greg. room. Thanks for the backup. Appreciate it. Oh, that you looks... can see everything. Yeah, that looks all cool. this. That's is... an awesome cover. 
Yeah, and the books, all this is in the book. That's awesome. There's the tracksuit tracksuit wearing skeleton dude. Evidently, he was a uh, he was a New York Times a New York or a, a um what's it uh, Times Square like regular Carter. who who died and okay and now worked for this for this private detective woman. And that's out from image from image. Yeah, it's an image book. Oh, I'm I'm all over that. That looks awesome. Yeah, it was really it was really good. Um, nice. The art is just terrific. So that's like a picture that the camera oh, takes. Dude, that and, looks awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so absolutely. All right, let's finish up a little She Hulk talk, uh, and then we'll and then we'll wrap. Uh, did y'all watch the the third episode of She Hulk? I did. I'm frozen. Tom's Tom frozen, frozen in time. Tom looks unimpressed. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. It's really good. It's I, I keep going back whenever I and, and Tom, this is a credit to you. Um, it's hard to do comedy. Like funny, funny is hard, especially it's it's it seems counterintuitive with comic books that comedy is hard but it is and it is a legitimately funny show i mean i found myself wet and tim raw i mean the act the the story is fine the acting in this is so good uh meslani and roth are just this last episode so how good is tim roth in this he's excellent i you know I, I was um I didn't know Miss Lonnie that well. Like I, I watched mm-hmm. a little bit of Orphan Black, and Orphan Black is not a funny show. Like, at least from what oh, I saw no. of it. It has funny dark, moments. Yeah, but it's not comedic. Um no. and so I was actually a little concerned to some degree, or just like I, I wasn't sure how that would work with her as She Hulk because I didn't know if she was a funny actor, um, but she is. She is fun. I mean, she's you know she she is pretty good. I mean, it's not like she's you know Jim Carrey or something or some sort of like hilarious actor, no. but she's she's got timing and she's funny and you know they they're writing her funny and um, there there's yeah. this scene where where Wong makes his exit out of the parole hearing and she very awkwardly and delicately goes back to like set up the microphone on, yeah. the, on the witness stand. And I'm just like, that is really good physical comedy. I mean, she's a good, that whole scene lady. was, yeah, that whole scene was good of her just being really frantic and, and, and uncomfortable, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. With the whole, the whole process of it, but yeah, it was good. I mean, I mean, um, she's so it's great. a fun show. Like it's, it's, pretty light it's not you know there's not a lot of seriousness to it it's a pretty light show it's a yeah it's a it's a it's a sitcom essentially she's a superhero lawyer it's and um i had seen some criticisms and and it's kind of it's kind of turned me away from any sort of internet criticism and i understand the ridiculousness of being on a internet podcast 
criticism show saying that internet criticism that I'm kind of turning away from that. I, I understand the ridiculousness of that. The irony. The, the I yeah, the the absolute irony of it. And people saying that the 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 fourth wall breaking seems inconsistent and and out of place. I didn't feel that at all. I think it, it the it the tone of it feels spot on. It feels like a really good comedic comic book come to life in in all of the right ways. It's it's a fun watch, and I love that it's a half hour. It's a fun. It's it's like a superhero sitcom. I would say. The fourth wall stuff they could probably do away with and it wouldn't break my heart. I don't know that it's the the best part of the show. I don't know that it really is yeah. adding much to the show, to be honest. It, it's, but it's also not detracting from the show, right? No, I don't. Yeah, it's just sort of there. It, you know, it's not... I wouldn't say it's the I, best I, I, part. I think it's a convenient reminder to the audience that this is not a completely serious show. This is not... Um, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is although I will say, I, I did like when she did it in this episode. Um, <laughs> Joe, it was I done know a couple of times. The football. Yeah, burn. Yeah, he. But yeah. Um, I liked it when she did it initially in the sh in this episode when she was sort of like using it to explain to the audience that this wasn't going to be a show with a guest appearance by everybody's waiting for Wong to show up. I get it. This isn't that kind of show. Wait a minute. And then it, you know, she sort of backtracks on that and has to, you know, it is that kind of, but show. don't forget who um, showed this is. Yeah. Yeah. That was cute. That was a, that was a, I, I liked that. And um, I love the, Oh, tying the a and B story together. I thought that was cute. Yeah, I didn't. I, the reason I felt like that to me didn't work is because it does feel weirdly out of place for that character because it's not like she's like, why is she so sort of um, why, why is she aware of the audience? storytelling, like the yeah. storytelling mm -hmm. aspects of it? You know what I mean? Like if she was a if she was a writer. You know, you know, like if she was a, yeah. a TV writer, that would make sense. But so I can see where people sort of like have a, there are some weird inconsistencies to yeah. it. Like the first time she did it, it made sense to me. She's like, wait a minute, this isn't that kind of show. But then it's like tying the A and B story. It's like, eh, that's a little like too, trying to be too clever. That's the, that's the writers in the writer's room sort of in, not actually being clever, but trying to be clever. You know what I mean? Like, well, they're, yeah, they're and you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's it's I, it's that. Time. I was just saying I can understand why people would look at that and say, "Yeah, it's it's inconsistent." Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. But ultimately, enjoy. I watched the episode twice, and I enjoyed it both times. And I haven't yeah, been it's, able to it's say a fun that show. about something in a long time. Um, I do. I mean, I don't know. I do get weirdly like bored with whenever you know a show that I, I mean i'm all for shows like this being about you know feminist power and girl power and like empowering mm -hmm. women that's great um not every guy in the show has to be a complete doofus 
You know what I mean? Like not every guy. Like it's oh, like the I don't only think Tim Roth is. I think Tim Roth is. Let's not forget, he's a fucking bad guy, right? Is he? I don't know. He's reformed. Well, we're find he's out. <laughs> yeah, but he's a villain. Tim Roth. So fantastic. you're either a villain or a doofus. There's not really any in between. You know, it's like you're either a bad guy or you're kind of a doofus. No, I, th- I think um, I think the the other the other lawyer who is doing the uh, Burkowski uh, trial. Oh yeah, well he's he's a he's a wet dream is what he he's like incredibly handsome, not that smart, really really just like mild mannered and very you know mm-hmm. respectful and yeah yeah I mean he's a fantasy character. It's like okay, he's the one. He's the characters. only. He's the only good guy in the show bruce um, eh, bruce you know he, he's trying to uh enforce a, a you know a way onto jen and yeah i don't know like i said it's it, yeah it's just I it's that, I, I think it's well it, done and i'm and i'm i am absolutely enjoying it for what it is no, no reason you shouldn't right thank you Thank you for giving me agency, Sal. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> Enjoy it. I don't care. I, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to actually criticize. Or no, but are you enjoying? Are you enjoying it? I think that's you know. Isn't that the barometer? Are you? Enjo- is it entertaining to you? No. It's, well, those are two different things. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know that you're. It's is it entertaining? And are you looking at it with a critical eye? And we can, and that's why I watched it twice. I watched it once to be entertained, and watched it twice to to watch it with more of a critical eye. And and I think that's you know completely fair um, to do that. Um, yeah, I liked it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, good, awesome. Glad that doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't have to be. No, it no, it's a, no, no, not, no, nothing. And and you know what? I think we need it, 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 collectively. Um, things don't have to be the worst or the best, and they can just be entertaining. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, it, it's, it's cutting into the. I mean, you know, are people going to look back on this fifty years from now as being groundbreaking TV? Probably not. Um, uh, but it's fun, and I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, All my, right. my point was simply that there are. You can certainly look at the show with a critical eye, and there are valid points to make you know if if that's what you choose to do if you want sure. if you're a critic if you're a television critic there's mm-hmm. certainly valid points you can make of criticism of the show it's certainly oh, by fair. no means a perfect show no my that's, own that's personal i i certainly am enjoying it i'm not looking at it with a critical eye it's a silly fun it's fucking it, she hulk i'm not gonna take a, it that seriously it is a comedic comic book show yeah i'm not a big cardi b fan but having cardi b in it and and them twerking at the end of it is pretty funny and it's sort of you know and it's like i I can i can step back and not take myself so seriously and and just be like oh that's that's kind of funny and 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 when in the world did i ever think i was going to have a tv show with she hulk twerking with cardi b uh, you know, I, I think it's it's just like I said, you can look at it critically if you want. I think it's a waste of time to do that. 
Um, it's you know, not everything needs to be What's, analyzed. It's Megan, Megan the the stallion is that they're not. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah, I got them confused. Yeah. Megan the stallion, the oh, other, the, the other one. Yeah, they're very Megan the sorry. Very, I don't know. I, I don't, don't want to have. I, I don't want to have another Megan RZA moment on on the show. Yes. Sorry, my my bad. I got my female twerking rap stars confused. Yes. Um, Megan the stallion. Uh, well, I know Megan because my love would do a Lipa. So I, I'm, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. I, even after seeing the show, oh my God, you put them just, in front of me. I just like, I know more about pop culture than you on this. I'm, it's on, a moment. Yeah, on, on, it's a moment for you, Chris. Um, enjoy it, it. Is embrace a it. You know more about female twerking rap stars than me, I guess. Congratulations. I feel like I'm going uh, but um, yeah, I, I I think that uh, it's fun. Yeah, uh, Joe Joe Galuzic, uh makes a really uh, nice point here. This is actually a good example of what you're talking about earlier: a radical change made by John Byrne that everyone ran with. You know, it's. Um, she-Hulk is not a an A-list character in the Marvel universe. Uh, what? Beloved, How dare you? Beloved by many. Um, but yeah, John Byrne kind of redefined the the character, and and people ran with that. Uh, speaking of our 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 next trade talks is the uh, Charles Soule uh, Law and Disorder Volume One uh, of She-Hulk. Which I think uh, the the TV show draws a lot uh, from that, so we'll be uh, we'll be talking about that uh, next week, maybe the week after. So um, uh, so we'll check that out. Uh, last uh, last bit on She Hulk before we uh, be, before we finish up. Uh, what did you think about the um, the Wrecking Crew? Now that was funny. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> it took me a second to go. Oh, wait a minute, that's the Wrecking oh, Crew. That's the Wrecking um, Crew. <laughs> I, the only thing is, I I the I mean it, I enjoyed it, um, but yeah, right. I will say, uh, I have always been a fan of the Wrecking Crew's shitty, not but like silly costumes. You know what I mean? Like I've always I've always um, been a fan of their costumes, and because they were like. Kind of generic, but kind of not. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. I, I, yeah, I've always, I've always been, I've always liked the Wrecking Crew. Whenever they showed up in a comic, whether it was Thor, the Hulk, She Hulk, whatever it was. Yeah. Always been a fan of the Wrecking Crew. You know, they were, they were, you know, kind of bumbling idiots, and they were always going to lose. But I was always a huge fan of them for whatever reason. That's like pure Bronze Age greatness to me. Goodness, the Wrecking right? Crew. Well, yeah, I just I've always so yeah, it was Titania. Titania ends up with the wrecking crew, or who does she she ends up romantically well, she ends up with absorbing man, you know? Okay, I mean, isn't her, absorbing, her absorbing man? Okay, well, yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, yeah, wrecking crew, she hulk, perfect, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I hope they come back. I hope they, um, oh, yeah. They, oh, they're absolutely. And I hope they have back. like, I hope they have like costumes. I, I don't know what like actual I always, powers. 
Well, they never had powers. They it was always the Asgardian weapons. They had the, the they all had Asgardian. The, that's where they got their powers from. Well, they yeah, they're they, they they, original. In, they're originally Thor. They had no powers. Yeah, they were they were they were Thor rogues, right? Yeah, and then they kind of became Hulk. Yes, rogues. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, yeah the they men. they. Uh, the Defenders, Luke Cage, I think, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, Spider Man. I mean, they they were like you know, Captain America. They were Captain Alpha Flight. Strokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Created by Len Wein and Sal Buscema. God, Len Wein. Nineteen seventy. Where would we be without Len yeah. Wein? Right. Right. Like Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've always been a fan. So I, I hope we get more Wrecking Crew, and I'm, and and I will say this: as much as I love the Wrecking Crew, I am more than happy. I'm more than fine with them being bumbling idiots, because oh, yeah. they always were. Like that was sort of how they were portrayed from the very beginning. They were not they the were, sharpest like knives said, in the drawer. No, <laughs> no, a bunch of meathead construction workers, essentially yeah. with with um, Asgardian superpowers. Weapon. I mean, if they are working towards like a a retelling of Secret Wars, they're starting to put all of the characters together because Re the Wrecking Crew was in Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah, She Hulk. It's yeah, Titania. Yeah, I, they're Ultron they're starting, would have to come yeah. back, right? Um, well, maybe that has something to do with the Hulk. Spoiler, uh, with Bruce <laughs> leaving for space in episode two of She-Hulk. Maybe, Is he going to maybe the that's going to tie into secret. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Going to the battle planet. So, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. Uh, cause I have some, uh, rings of power to watch. Um, want to thank everyone for, uh, chiming in on the comments section. Always enjoy the interaction. I want to remind you, uh, you can get extra content by becoming uh, a, a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash around comics. You'll get some Tom versus you'll get uh, Sal and I doing ACTV. We've got our last uh, K Billy super sounds coming up this week as we uh, go over uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, what else we got Sal? Um, I do want to let people know on the Patreon, uh, so uh, on iTunes and Spotify and those places, if you're listening to the podcast, the audio podcast, there are ads. Um, if you're a patron member, even for the least amount, for just a dollar a month, mm -hmm. you get ad-free versions of uh, the regular show on Patreon. So just another bonus to uh, to be a patron member. There you go. Uh, well, let me see what else we got. Um, we'll get to my notes. At, I think that's about it. Uh, thanks for everyone for uh, for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday with this here show. Uh, we're finally going to talk about uh, uh, Sal's uh, Jeff Lemire and uh, Matt Kent comic. I'll talk a little. Uh, Supergirl, uh, uh, Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, don't forget our trade talk, uh, She-Hulk, uh, Law and Disorder, Volume 1 by Charles Soule. And uh, in the meantime... In between time. We're gonna be everywhere in... 
Hand around. Hand around. Comics. Comics.